Pharmacy Podcast Network. Here's the thing. You're busy. You're a professional. Maybe you're a pharmacist and you know you're capable of doing more, doing much more, and living a more organized, less stressful, purposeful, and freedom-driven life. Let's talk, let's share, and let's grow together as an industry, as healthcare providers, and as a better unified community. It may seem like some of these things don't easily fit together. After all, what do career coaching, marketing strategy, networking, and pharmacy have in common? Welcome to the Rx Buzz. Your host is a pharmacist, a wife, a mother, an entrepreneur, and a proven motivational career coach, Ashley Clevens Hayes. This is the Rx Buzz Podcast, a collaboration between Rx Ashley and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey there, Rx Buzz listeners. This is Ashley here, coming from Rx Ashley at the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and I am super excited to have this special guest on the show today. Um, it's kind of a big deal. He is super fun, super interesting person to talk to, but also I love what he's preaching for us here in California. And I also just really enjoy conversations with him. I've gotten to know him over the last decade of my training. And I have John Ross, CEO of California Pharmacists Association with us today. John, welcome to the Arc Buzz. Good morning, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. This is cool. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. I think this conversation has been long overdue because I can't express to you enough how many pharmacists I talk to who just don't simply quite understand the importance of why it's important to be involved, not only on a local level, a statewide level, but a national level too. So it's great that you're going to be here today and share some tips and tricks on why it's important to be involved. But before we jump into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into the role you're in now? Sure, happy to. So um, I really have grown up my professional career in healthcare, in a particular healthcare association. I sort of came upon the whole policy world of, of government affairs and advocacy um, early on uh, in my career and um, just sort of found a niche for it, really found a passion and a love for wanting to move the needle in terms of the health professions uh, at, a, at a higher level. You know, they say much more can be done with the power of a pen uh, than anything else. And so um, I, using my, my resources, my talents, my skills, hopefully been able to move the needle in pharmacy and you know, provide some uh, leadership to a really incredible group of practitioners who um, are serving their patients every day out there in the community pharmacy and hospital pharmacy and specialty pharmacies. I love it. So California Pharmacy Association is what you are CEO of, but you're also involved more on a national level too, which I don't think a lot of people know. So do you want to ex- expand upon a little bit about that and kind of tell us what that means for maybe California in general, but also globally what that means for pharmacy? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I sort of wear multiple hats, but the two hats in particular as CEO of California Pharmacists Association is, you know, we're very fortunate uh, to be the largest state association in the country. And with that, we think comes a lot of um, opportunity, but also some great responsibility to sort of lead the way and provide some perspective and some um, roadmaps for other states and perhaps national policy to follow. Uh, but also, I serve as currently the president of the National Alliance of State Pharmacy Associations, which is a national association of folks like myself 
uh, the CEOs of their respective state associations. And in that way, we uh, network and we resource share um, and we uh, mutually learn from one another uh, best practices in states. Um, and I'm just privileged to have an opportunity to be the president for the current year. So is that organization only involved with the higher level leadership of the state organizations? Is that my understanding? Because I'm not familiar with this organization, really. Yeah, that's correct. So all okay. the CEOs are the representatives of the, the NASA um, organization, mm -hmm. um, and they are the, the, the linkage to their state pharmacy associations through that group. And then do they have an affiliation with national organizations? They do. So one of the primary roles of NASA, as we call it, the National Alliance, is that it serves as really a conduit between the state pharmacy associations and the national associations. Mm -hmm. um, they provide uh, resources and um, are great about gathering national data, communicating with our national partners, so that each of us at the states are sort of individually having to do that, and we can have a unified message with our great staff at NASPA. Uh, sitting down and working with the nationals on those broader level policy issues. So the rumor that pharmacy is a totally ununited profession is a little bit inaccurate, <laughs> what I'm getting. It is, it is. You know, the I have the privilege of meeting with the national organizations, again, just by virtue of wearing both hats as mm -hmm. CEO of California as well as NASPA uh, mm -hmm. president uh, on a regular basis. And um, there is a lot of unity, a lot of synergy, uh, even though they have different organizations, um, the leadership, I could say, from my observations, are very committed to working together. I love that. That just made my day because yeah. that's totally different than what's been rumored forever. So I think that that's awesome. We need to learn more about that. And let's have you on another podcast to talk more specifically about how, like, what it is that you guys are doing specifically to unite the whole organization or the whole profession in general. But what I really want to talk about today and it's, it's, it's burning from burning my heart right now because I, and as you know, I talk to pharmacists every day all the time now um, in, in my own business. But one of the things that I speak to and I, and I preach on is, is really networking, how to better your career and how, you know, leverage, leveraging your network and leveling up your skills and being able to, get jobs by my goal is to not apply to a job. One of the questions I ask people right from the get-go when, when they turn to me for support is, you know, how are you building your network? And also, you know, are you involved in your local pharmacy organizations or national or what it is that you're doing? And just before we got on this recording, I told you, you know, 99.9% .9 of people either say, pharmacists either say, no, I'm not involved or yes, I am involved. I just don't really get involved. So I, right. I guess I pay my dues, but I don't really know what that X amount of money goes to. So the primary reason what I want to dig into today, and I'm going to ask you some hard questions, and I recognize that these are hard questions, but it's really getting down to the meat of why it's so important for us to be involved. And Absolutely. why it's so important for us not to only just financially be giving into our profession, but also for other ways that we can be giving back to the profession. And, and that's something that I think, you know, you can shine so much light on us. So I guess the first thing that we can talk about is, honestly, John, so talk to us about why, why is it so important for us to be involved? Yeah, that's a great question, Ashley, and I'm, I'm so glad we can have this conversation. 
probably not surprising to you, I get this question individually or in small groups as I move around the state um, from pharmacists as well. And I'm talking to them about membership and some of the activities that we're doing that are exciting here at CPHA. Um, but really how I would break it down is this way. There's the individual benefit, which I think most members when they talk to you or talk to me are looking for. What is it, the individual benefit of joining and belonging to the association? But then there's sort of the other side of that lens, which is what is the collective benefit? Um, and that's usually a, a more outward looking perspective on why does my voice matter? Why is it important that I belong for the benefit of the profession overall? But recognizing on the individual benefit side, you know, I would unpack it this way. There's really, I would say, four primary uh, values that an individual pharmacist or student pharmacist or technician would receive for participating in their state pharmacy association. One, as you mentioned it uh, briefly, is building that network. Um, all pharmacists, all student pharmacists eventually are going to need a job. And what better way to meet your next boss than to participate through a collective group of pharmacists who are in various positions that can create that network for you. Or maybe it's a study group, or maybe it's a EPS exam group, uh, study group, or what have you. Um, building that network is really the number one reason an individual benefit would, would result from, from getting involved in the state association. Mm -hmm. The, the second issue, and we can go back and, and revisit these in, in more detail, but I sort of want to unpack them real quickly Please for us. Please, unpack. We have all the time in, that we need. I, this, I've been super excited to talk to you about this because the reason is I get this question every single day. So yeah. I, it really is a, it's a, critical, it's a critical, really just valuable conversation. So again, please feel free to unpack. I give you full permission. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very generous with your time. Um, so that first one is building a network. The second one is legislative relevance. Hmm. And admittedly, when you talk to a pharmacist about, well, what is the individual benefit I get from sort of that legislative relevance? Their eyes begin to glaze over a little bit. They think, um, oh, I don't want to deal with that. You know, that's very high level. What does that actually mean to me and the, you know, in my practice every day? But the bottom line is, I used the phrase already in our conversation, that the power of the pen at Sacramento is mightier than anything that we can do individually in our practices. And so legislative relevance and the items that we're working on on behalf of pharmacy generally and individual pharmacists in terms of their practices, their livelihood, uh, are extremely important. And that's a key, uh, key part of belonging. Can you explain to us a little bit more about that? Because that's just something that, like you, you said it, John, glazed over a little bit. So legis legislatively speaking, can you give us an example of, you know, what does that mean for us? Absolutely. It's actually great timing. So we just concluded at the end of September the 2017-18 legislative cycle here in California. Mm -hmm. And CPHA tracked and weighed into 52 legislative proposals that wow. impacted pharmacists. Um, each of those required us to do an analysis, to meet with the sponsors of those bills. Some were favorable towards pharmacist practice, some were antagonistic to, towards pharmacist practice. And our ability to weigh in and to negotiate uh, support or ultimately kill a legislative bill mm -hmm. amongst those 52 um, absolutely has real-time value. Give you one example. There were seven of those 52 bills this year that would have imposed 
some sort of negative mandate on pharmacists. Yeah. Um, everything from uh, unfunded mandates at the pharmacy counter to restrictions and scope of practice or requiring unnecessary regulations in terms of practice. Um, and we were able to kill all of those seven bills that would have wow. had a negative impact on pharmacist practice. Yeah, so right. right there, that's a very, very tangible outcome so, so for do you work what we with, talked about legislation. Yeah, so do you work, in, logistically speaking, do you work with attorneys to, work, to do this, or is this what CPHA does? Do we have in-house staff that does this? I'm just curious, like, how does this work? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have so many have, questions. Just <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> so internally, we have um, two outstanding government affairs staff members. Uh, one of them is our lobbyist, uh, Michelle Ravis. One of them is our government relations manager, Danny Martinez. In addition, we hire external lobbyists as well that are on contract with CPHA. Got it. And we have two of those folks. So that's really the, uh, the horsepower behind conducting those analyses, doing the effective lobbying to represent pharmacist interests every day. This is so powerful. So I think what we lose sight of is this collective benefit. To be honest, I think that's what it is. Um, I think we see it as, oh my gosh, another check I have to write amongst my other checks. And, you know, networking is one thing. I think, obviously, I think it's an excellent tool, an excellent resource, but really the collective benefit, I'm feeling really outweighs the individual benefit here. Yeah, and actually the legislative component of what I'm describing, I would argue, goes both ways. There's absolutely an individual benefit because the things that will happen here in Sacramento, the Capitol, or at the Board of Pharmacy, where we also represent pharmacists, um, will ultimately go into each individual's practice. It will affect their pocketbook, it will affect the way they practice, how they practice, etc. Um, but then there is the uh, more collective benefit that you're describing as well, where we have overall um, uh, overall wins for the profession, and that moves the profession yeah. forward, either progressively, like some of our scope of practice work, or it effectively defends something that would be negative towards pharmacy practice. So I think it goes both ways on the legislative relevance. Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Nation, here's a quick message from our sponsors, supporting the PPN, QD. If you or your patients struggle with muscle cramps, spasms, soreness, or restless leg syndrome, you're going to want to hear about our non-opioid TheraWorks Relief. TheraWorks Relief is a clinically proven and published locally acting topical solution that prevents and relieves muscle cramps, spasms, and soreness in the legs and feet. In a research study including patients diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, TheraWorks Relief was shown to reduce symptoms commonly associated with accompanying RLS, including muscle cramps and spasms. Muscle cramps are reported as a side effect of hundreds of prescription medications, from intravenous iron sucrose and conjugated estrogens to statins and diuretics. By managing muscle cramps, TheraWorks Relief supports adherence, helping patients stay on important and often life-saving medications. TheraWorks Relief comes in an easy-to-use, fast-absorbing, non-greasy foam that can prevent muscle cramps and spasms with just a few simple applications a day. To learn more about TheraWorks Relief, go to theraworksrelief.com and click on the healthcare professional link. So who decides if it's positive or negative for a, pra- for a profession? So 
So that's one of the beautiful things in how we conduct our work. So on staff here, the, the folks that I mentioned a few minutes ago, they're not, they're not pharmacists. Yeah. But the beauty of working uh, through our volunteers, through our special interest groups, mm-hmm. through our board of trustees, they provide us both clinical and experiential inputs in terms of our analysis on those bills. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, even though my staff are not pharmacists, we have uh, a lot of horsepower to review a bill just say inherently, hey, look, sure. this is going to be negative to the practice of pharmacy. But if we have questions about clinical um, implications or how something may literally show up in a hospital or, or community pharmacy or what have you, we've got a depth of resources, which, by the way, is also an important reason for pharmacists to belong so we can access their expertise mm-hmm. um, to go to to make those analyses. Why do you think, in your experience, because you've been – in this position for almost 10 years now, just over nine years. Why do you think not enough pharmacists are involved or not all pharmacists are involved? Yeah, that's a, that is the million dollar question. Listen, this is a sensitive conversation. I'm asking the hard questions. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I wish honestly that every pharmacist understood the impact of what their voice and their resources bring to the profession. Right. And, and, you know, we just came off yesterday. I know by the time this will air, it, it's going to be some weeks ago uh, from uh, a midterm election. Sure. And you hear a lot of the banter about uh, every voice matters and what have you. But I can tell you it's very, very true, Ashley. Every voice matters. And so by definition, the more voices we represent, the louder that voice becomes. The louder that voice becomes, the more impact we can have. And the more impact we can have, the better the life of a pharmacist. So it's absolutely interconnected. And I wish every pharmacist could step back and sort of think about that in terms of how their contribution rolls up into a greater good for themselves as well as the overall profession. That's a great segue. So when you mean contribution, what does a contribution look like? Does it mean money or does it mean volunteer work or does it mean actually showing up to meetings? Like what... What could behoove the pharmacist and, and your and CPHA or just in general? How do we how do we logistically do that? Is it just paying the check or is it showing up to meetings or is obviously it's everything? But what if we can't do everything? Yeah, no, absolutely. The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. Um, I, one of my one of my sort of um, common or, or famous phrases is. And we talk about this on the staff team all the time and amongst our board of trustees is we need to meet the member where they're at. So if you're a new pharmacy school graduate, you're in your first year PGY1, perhaps you're in a very different space than perhaps the 20 year veteran pharmacist in practice. Your needs are different. Your values are different in terms of what you want from the association and what you're willing to contribute back to the association. So it could be that you are just a checkbook member. You know that your dues are going Mm -hmm. to an organization that's doing all these wonderful things on behalf of yourself as well as the profession collectively. It could be that you want to get more like literally actively involved. You want to volunteer for one of our task forces or uh, perhaps run for an elected office or, or sit on an actual standing committee. Uh, where you're dedicating your expertise and your time and, and treasure from, from your knowledge base to, to moving our issues forward. Um, or perhaps it's, uh, it's all localized. Perhaps you just want to get involved at your local um, association level and help recruit the next uh, group of pharmacists coming in and moving into the community and making them feel welcome and connecting them with other like-minded pharmacists. So it really shows up differently based on where the pharmacist is coming from 
And we don't try to say there's one right way or wrong way. It's our job to provide a platform, I think, to um, welcome them and to allow them to contribute mm-hmm. their time, talents, and treasures in, in what way it makes sense for them and fills the needs for the organization. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, who, who's the most active in the organization? I think I know the answer, but I'm just curious. What, what is your thoughts? who in terms of uh, like a stage of practice or yeah I guess uh, yeah sorry so let me be more specific so in terms of your memberships and and the people who are involved and actively participating on a day-to-day ground level is it the students that um, that you think show up to be the highest voice so I would say it's bimodal so certainly students are a very very active group um, that are wonderfully engaged um, in, in the or- life of the organization. But we also see that about five to 15 years into practice, mm-hmm. that group is very highly engaged. Those are folks who have some practice experience and typically want to come back and serve in a more subject matter expert way, like on yeah. a task force or a committee or even the board of trustees um, after they've gained that experience. So I think the 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 groups of students and the groups of five to 15 years post-grad are, are the two uh, most active. Yeah, I, what I see is, and the reason why it's kind of a leading question is that, you know, I was moderating a leadership event um, a couple months ago, and the students, the first year, second year, third year, fourth year, uh, really just the first and second years, were super excited to be there. And they had these genius ideas. Like, I'm not kidding you. They were phenomenal ideas. And, and I told the, the thing I left with, I, I left the last sentiment I made to them is don't lose your steam. You know, you guys get so, we get so excited in school. We're motivated. We're surrounded by each other. We're surrounded by just being involved. But then you graduate, you, you kind of, you know, your student loans start to kick in. You um, get in your life, you get married, you kind of, you get into your family zone and you kind of transition away from focusing on just on school and you transition into being in your careers and doing awesome things in your personal life. My thing, what what I told them is don't, don't forget about us. Don't forget about your profession. Don't lose that steam. And a lot of times I see that. I saw it in myself, to be totally honest. I was super involved with the residency. I moved out of state. I didn't. I was still involved in the state organization, but definitely wasn't my first priority. So my hope and through this podcast and through being involved on on an academic level is that we really nurture that transition from being a student to new practitioner to being a practicing pharmacist. How can we support that group more and, and not to forget how important this is? Well, your experience is exactly like ours, um, and what we see is upon graduation from pharmacy school, we sort of see this um, sharp decline in terms of involvement and membership, and then it's that about that fifth year mark I was talking about. They start <laughs> That's to come me. Back to I'm totally the statistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I understand, like you said, you know, they graduate, I yeah. call it getting a house and a spouse and sure. a job and moving and all those things, life gets in the way. Uh-huh. And I think anything we can do to bridge that gap, even if they just remain checkbook members at that point and just right. remain engaged with our communications and plugged in and yeah. maybe showing up once in a while to a local to, to network and, and recharge their batteries with their colleagues in the community, I think that would be tremendous. I agree uh, I think with there's you. There's a real opportunity there. 
I agree with you. So talk to me about some of the cool things that CPHA is doing and what we have in the pipeline. Yeah, boy, we've got just a tremendous number of activities going on. Uh, seems like always. <laughs> I know, right? I say it's like right now, but it, right now it's always <laughs> continuous. Um, as I mentioned, we just came off a very successful legislative cycle. I'm very proud, actually, to mention as it relates to that, that we had 100% success. Wow. Uh, when for those 52 bills that we weighed into. That's powerful. Um, so hopefully we're working smart. Hopefully we're working effectively um, and, and representing uh, pharmacists to the very best that we can. From a, from a practice standpoint, one of the things I'm really excited about, two things actually. One is, um, as your listeners may know, back in 2013, uh, CPHA sponsored and thankfully our governor signed a bill uh, that provided uh, provider status in California for pharmacists, as well as expanded the scope of practice. Mm -hmm. And we've been working on a number of initiatives to implement those measures in practice since then. One of those is securing payments from plans and other uh, mm -hmm. payers for pharmacists to perform those services. And we're really starting to see some traction on that, which is going to, I think, provide wonderful new opportunities in terms of practice modalities and consulting pharmacists and what have you to uh, to explore those those opportunities. The other thing that um, that we're really excited about is that we are revamping um, our educational conference, which is called Western Pharmacy Exchange. You can check it out at westernpharmacyexchange.com, and it's really a um, a celebration of pharmacy practice. And one of the things that our board has been talking about for about the last 18 months is I think we all go to pharmacy conferences. Um, whether national or in our states or regionally, um, and we get great CE, and you know we network with our colleagues and our friends, and you know, maybe there's a social aspect to it. But one of the things we really wanted to do, again, being in California and feeling some responsibility to um, a never never resting in terms of innovation, is really explode the both the technology use as well as the structure of our uh, Western Pharmacy Exchange Conference. So in April, April 12th uh, through the uh, 14th of next year, 2019, um, in Los Angeles, we're going to be unveiling a whole new Western Pharmacy Exchange, have a lot of really cool things um, to help pharmacists get connected uh, to themselves, to their colleagues, um, to business and industry, um, as well as just deploying some cool technology in the way we convey continuing education. So um, that's been taking up a lot of time, but it's also very exciting and hopefully we'll see uh, the fruits of that labor come first quarter of next year. I, I think you guys are doing an awesome job. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. And, and I don't think we give enough credit to the organizations for supporting us. So if, if anyone's not said this to you before. Thank you on behalf of my profession. I appreciate what you do. Um, I obviously don't don't really practice traditional pharmacy anymore, but I my heart and soul is in this profession, and I really believe in elevating our profession. And this is just my way of giving back. Um, so, on behalf of myself, my family, because you know I'm third generation pharmacist, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I don't. For some reason, I just feel, I just have a really good feeling about what CPHA is doing. And, you know, we, I lived in Sacramento, so I had the opportunity to go, to go visit you guys a few times. Um, and I, I just, I really want to give you guys 
kudos and just all the applause that I think you guys are really moving the needle. So I know on behalf of at least me <laughs> and my family, and, and I can't speak for everyone, but I, I, I do think that everyone, um, at least my colleagues, agree that CPHA is doing an awesome job, and I think you are spearheading that. So thanks, John, for your time, and I think this was awesome. Anything else uh, you want to leave us? Well, I, I just appreciate it as well, Ashley. Um, this platform and being able to talk about the importance of belonging is tremendous. Um, I can have all the individual conversations with non-members in the world, and it won't reach the same audience. Mm -hmm. um, we really do see the collective benefit. Um, the more pharmacists join, the more pharmacists belong, the more we can do. I mean, I appreciate your acknowledgement of what we've done so far, but the bottom line is the more pharmacists join, the more we can do even beyond that. So I really encourage pharmacists to step up and step into membership and service to the association. Yeah. Um, it matters. Um, they're important. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to share that message with your listeners today. Thanks, John. And just a special note, I guess, to my audience is that I just want to be really transparent and really direct with, with everyone and saying, you know, I've been involved with, or with pharmacy organizations essentially my, my whole career, before my career, because my dad was super involved. But I, I don't really, the reason why I ask these hard questions and maybe they're a little sensitive questions is that I don't fully understand what goes on behind the closed doors and what, be, what goes on in the Senate of, you know, for pharmacy specifically. But I do recognize that there is importance in it. So I may or may not be one of those checkbook members, you know, through my transitions, but I do, I am seeing it day to day with pharmacists who reach out to me saying how unhappy they are with their jobs or that they want change or they don't want to do X and they want to do Y. The thing is, is you have to do something about it. So whether, right. like John mentioned, whether you are a checkbook member or you are an active president of a local pharmacy organization, it, it doesn't really matter. You, you have to do something. And so, so one of the reasons why I wanted to bring John on and one of the reasons why I am continuously bringing the sensitive subject up and asking the hard questions is because I hear a lot of you, I hear you, I see you, I feel you, I talk to you every single day that you want change. Change has to start with, from within. So I would encourage you guys, even if you don't live in California, obviously a lot of you guys don't, I just so happen to live in California and um, I asked John to be on, but he doesn't you know, he's not all the states. You need to go to your own state and you need to go get involved at that level. It, it really does make a difference. And, and I, can, I couldn't say, I couldn't speak for myself. And so that's why I brought the expert John on um, to really represent that for us. So again, thanks John for hanging on. I appreciate you letting me go on my little bit of a tangent, but um, it's been awesome having you. And I will see you in a couple months in LA, if not sooner. Sounds great, Ashley. Thanks again for your time. Of course. This was just the beginning. If this was your first time listening to the RX Buzz, we welcome you and thank you for giving us a chance. And if you're an old friend, one of our subscribers, we cherish you and look forward to hearing from you. And now we need your help. We ask that you share this podcast with just one person you know who's in the healthcare industry. If this podcast can help just one person, we believe it will have a chain reaction, having an impact on dozens, hundreds, thousands, and someday, millions of people. Thank you for your help. We truly appreciate you. And thank you for listening to the RX Buzz, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.